In Luke chapter 2, verse 8, you thought Christmas season was over, but here we go. And there was in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was an angel, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, good will toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even to Bethlehem, and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary and Joseph and the babe uh, lying in the manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told to them uh, concerning the child. And all of them heard it, wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. For a few moments, I want to talk about a subject entitled, uh, The Day After Christmas. Uh, the Day After Christmas. The text tells us really how we can celebrate Christmas 365 days a year. In all reality, uh, in this text, that literally sense, the text described the various ways uh, that people responded uh, to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, people from different cultures and from all different walks of life respond to the birth of Jesus in a variety of different ways. Uh, some people today simply are neutral concerning the Lord. Uh, in their thinking, He was simply another baby born, another mouth to feed, another diaper to change, no big deal. Uh, for them, it's simply another holiday, a day off from work, a day where they can try, the men can go to their men cave and the women can go to their women's shed. Uh, a day where we have a good turkey ham dinner. Uh, we sit around and give gifts. After all, who doesn't like to receive gifts? Uh, a great time to be off from work, just another holiday on the calendar. An opportunity for uh, eat a good meal and then sit down the lazy boy and sup on some suds called beer, eat a turkey sandwich and watch the ball game. And man, this is a great day. People remain neutral about Jesus. There's other people who look at the birth of Jesus and they're somewhat indifferent toward Him about His birth. They know that He came as God's Son. They know that He was to be the Savior of the world. They know He came to destroy the works of the devil. And they know that He was Jesus Christ, God's Son, the Savior. But yet, religion is simply not for them. Uh, they don't want Jesus to cramp the lifestyle. They don't want religion to cramp their lifestyle so they continue on living uh, the way they live, doing what they've always done. But there's another group of people that look the baby of Jesus, and they're the ones, I hope in this room, the grateful ones. We know why Jesus came. We know why He ministered on earth. We know why He died the vicarious death. We know why He was buried. We know why He came out of the tomb. We know why He ascended back to heaven, and we know why He is coming again. He has changed our lives for the better. He has redeemed us. He has set us free. And our names are written down in the Lamb's book of life. And we appreciate the fact that there indeed was a son born and there was a child given by the grace of God. We will be faithful to him unto the very end. And I'm grateful for that. 
But Christmas day has come, and it's over for yet another year. We planned, we prepared, we bought, and we sold. We wrapped, and we unwrapped. We went across town. Many have gone across country uh, to be with family, friends, and loved ones. Uh, we have been able to exchange gifts and try to wrap them up in a way to surprise the ones that we loved, and, and hopefully they'd appreciate what we've given to them. But yet too many people are left unchanged and unaffected uh, by the Christmas day. Too many people remain the same after Christmas as they did before Christmas, and the birth of a baby has not changed them or affected them one iota of this day. The day after Christmas is the very same for them as it was of the day before Christmas. And since so many people seem to be so untouched, unchanged, and unaffected by the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, it bids the question, should we even bother to celebrate Christmas at all? Think about that for a moment. The answer is yes, I believe that we should. How? Uh, we should celebrate. Well, the most obvious answer is this. We should celebrate Christmas by becoming a Christian. If indeed we want to celebrate Christmas and understand the meaning of Christmas, we need to understand and accept the Christ of Christmas. I read something years ago uh, about a family that had gone to the mall and they saw a manger scene and they got upset and said, isn't it amazing how Christians are trying to take over Christmas? We become so commercialized that we take all the trappings of it and we forget the Christ of Christmas. The only way to really enjoy Christmas is to embrace the Christ of Christmas. And that means this, we all need a Savior. And it bids me to ask this question, have you been accepted Christ as your Savior? Do you know you even need a Savior? You can't offer somebody a Savior until they know they need one. You can't be found until you know you're lost. And if you've not accepted Jesus as your Savior, you're as lost as a ball in high weeds and it cannot be found. I remind you that Jesus Christ left heaven. He came to this earth to walk among us, be like one of us, in order that he might redeem us in time that we might be ready for eternity. If you have not embraced Jesus Christ, you're lost. If you have religion, you're lost. If you go to church and not know the Lord, you're lost. If you pay your tithe and don't know the Lord, you're lost. I don't care what kind of works you've done. If you don't know Jesus Christ by inviting him in your heart, you are lost and hell awaits you. But the good news is the baby has been born. His to be a child. He died upon a cross. He satisfied the holy demands of a righteous God and you can be born again. And that's what Christmas is all about. That's the reason that Jesus was born. That's the reason he came to this earth. He was born the Savior, but he'll never be Christ to you until you can call him my Savior. It's not enough to know he's your Savior and your Savior. You must know him to be your own personal Savior. Would you like to become that Christian? Then admit you're a sinner. Agree with God and what he says. Agree with him. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him into his heart. In your heart he'll come. Are you willing to trust Jesus for your salvation? He came to seek and save that which was lost. He came to destroy the works of the devil. He came to give life and give that life more abundantly. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Neither is there salvation in any other for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby you must be saved except for the name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Accepting Jesus as your personal Savior means you're going to have Christmas in your heart every day of your life. Now our text this morning shows us different responses to how people celebrate Christmas all year long. We can mimic this. We can model this. How do you have Christmas every day? Simply by proclaiming. 
Notice, if you will, in Act, or Luke 2, 17. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. The verse tells us that the shepherds spread the word of God. This is an amazing statement when you understand the life and the ways of shepherds during that day. Shepherds were generally uh, the base elements of society. In that day, they didn't smell all that good. They didn't dress all that well. They could not attend temple services. They could not attend synagogue services because they could not keep the minute details of the law. But it's amazing what the law of Moses would not let them do. The Lamb of God let them do. Hallelujah. What the law could not do, uh, the blood of Jesus Christ did do and can do and will continue to do because there is power in the blood of Jesus Christ. What can wash away my sin? Nothing. Absolutely nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ the Lord. Praise God. Now, these people are not among the most uh, reputable people in the world. These shepherds were not the most trustworthy. They were stereotyped by the rest of society. Their testimony would not be accepted in court. Uh, they, they were the base people of the world. They were on the level of the gypsies and, and, and the vagrants, vagrants and, and the con men of that day. Uh, they were in the very social part, the, the, the lowest rung of the economic social ladder. They were very little educated, if any. As a matter of fact, it's possible that these particular shepherds uh, were looked upon by the rest of society as being somewhat illiterate and no place for them to be found at all. That's why the story is so exciting. They heard and they saw the beautiful angelic revelation that the child of God, the Son of Man, had been birthed in Bethlehem and they were to go see. They went to Bethlehem. They discovered the baby wrapped in swaddling clothes uh, lying there in the manger just as they'd been told. Now get this. Outside of Mary and Joseph, the announcement of the birth of Jesus Christ, the salvation of the world, was given only at that time to the shepherds of that day. After 400 years of silence, God burst into the scene of humanity, and he made the announcement to a group of stinky, smelly, low-class, gypsy-type, unworthy people called shepherds who were keeping flock on a Judean hillside. Let me tell you something, friend. That doesn't sound like a great way to win the world to me. The Lord came to win the world. And the birth announcement came to an outcast group of people. Stinky, smelly, low class, very intellect, not very intellectual. Living on the other side of the tracks. Matter of fact, they weren't any tracks to live on. These guys were down there in the low economic rung of the ladder. We would have probably done it differently had we been the brains behind getting the message out. First of all, we would have probably preferred that Jesus be born in the family of fortune and fame and notoriety. We would have certainly made sure that he had been birthed into a family that could at least afford a room and a nice crib for him to lie in after he was born. We would have certainly made sure that Jesus had been born in a family that their family had clean hands and a clean heart and a clean home. We'd have made sure that maybe there would be golden goblets for them to drink out of when he got a little bit older. We'd have made sure that Jesus would have been birthed in some type of a house where they had enough money to send him to an Ivy League school and give him the proper training that he needed in etiquette during that particular time. I mean, after all, this was not an ordinary baby. This was the Son of God becoming the Son of Man. Aristocracy would have received the birth announcement had been up to me. Man, I'd have grafted that thing. I'd have went down to poor Richardson. I would have got that thing all laid out. And I mean, I'd, been, I'd let Dave do the calligraphy writing on it, whatever. And I mean, it'd been a beautiful birth announcement. We'd made sure that the high and the mighty, the rich and the famous, the political people, the government officials, uh, the religious people, the hierarchy, they'd have got that birth announcement that the king of all kings has been born into this world. 
We'd have made sure that royalty saw royalty because that's where you look for it. But God chose to give the birth of his son, the Savior of the world announcement to shepherds. Thank God his ways are not our ways. The visitation of the angel announcement that the birth of Jesus, it filled their hearts with fear. But notice, they obeyed by faith. How many times have God asked us to do things that filled our heart with fear? How many times have we done things our heart was full of fear? But we got to go on in faith and see what God tells us to do. They believed the announcement of the angel and they left their flock. They made their way to Bethlehem. They found the newborn baby wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in the manger. Note what they did next. They told everyone what they heard, what they saw, and what they believed concerning the information that had been given to them. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. They were not afraid. They were not intimidated to tell people what they saw, what they had experienced, and what they had believed. Think of this. In reality, they were sharing their faith, and they were witnessing the kingdom of God. They told everyone they saw, everyone they met about Jesus Christ. Beloved, do we do the same? Are we as faithful telling people today about Jesus as they were then? We need to be faithful about that. Are we obedient today as they were then? Do we faithfully tell others about what we have seen, what we have heard, what we have experienced? Do we tell them what Jesus has done for us? They spread the word of Jesus Christ. That's evangelism. Now understand this. What they did, we must do. We don't need special authority. We don't need to have a special education. We don't have to smell all the good. It pays to smell better today. I mean, we need to put one smell on to cover up another. We understand that. I mean, these shepherds had enough dirt in their fingernails to start a subdivision, but they weren't afraid to go up before the royalty and tell people what they saw. What I'm trying to say, friend, I don't care what kind of clothes you have or don't have, where you live or where you don't live, what kind of car you drive or don't drive, where you eat your dinner, it does not matter. If you and I have been changed by the power of God, if Jesus has done something in our life, we can walk boldly to whomever it may be and say, let me tell you not what somebody told me. Let me tell you not what the preacher said. Let me tell you not what a read of the Let me tell you what the Lord has done for me. Let me show you what the Lord has done for me. I may not be nobody in your eyes, but I got Roy in my veins today because I have been born again by the blood of Jesus Christ the Lord. And if you and I will be faithful to tell people what we know, you don't need to do all those things. Simply tell us what you know personally about Jesus. I was lost, but now I'm found. I was in sin, but I've been set free. I was empty in heart, but I'm full today. I was bound by gross habit. I was bound by sins and weight, but he set me free. I didn't just turn over a new leaf. Thank God I'm in a brand new book today. It wasn't ways and means. God has the ways. He has the means, and he set me free. If you and I would just tell people what Jesus done for us. Now, why is it today that we're not doing that? Can I quit preaching and just start meddling for a moment? Could it be that we've settled so much for church on Sunday morning? Could it be that we've settled so much for our religious exercises that we take this place and we share our testimony? You know, the church building is the most evangelized place in all the world, but sinners are not here to hear it. The most powerful testimonies in the world are told inside these buildings, but the sinners are not here to hear it. We need to take what Jesus has done for us and go back out in this nasty, sin-cursed world and say, look, I'm not here to condemn you. I just want to tell you what the Lord's done for me. My brother-in-law turned on the TV there yesterday morning and we watched Deal or No Deal. Hadn't seen him at one time. This old chubby guy about big as me. Could you imagine me doing a dance? He did. He was winning. 
He was out there just, boy, he was doing it. He was, now, on nationalized television, millions of people watching. People in that audience, he didn't know from Adam's house cat. He didn't have any fear. He had no intimidation. He wasn't shy. He was telling everybody about the money he was winning. If somebody can be excited about that, why can we not be excited about what Jesus has done for us? Watch the football games and basketball games. People in those crowds, they don't know each other, and they go there and they act like a bunch of screaming Indians because somebody kicked the football through a goalpost, and then those same people go to church and sit like a wooden Indian. I believe it's important, friend, that we tell the world what Jesus has done for us. Not what the church has done, not the sermon we've heard, but what Jesus Christ has done in our heart and in our life. How he changed me, how he set me free, how he redeemed me, praise God. And if you and I will be faithful to do what he's asked us to do, we'll see more people saved. Let me tell you, church, you're the greatest evangelist in the world. And people... Don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And until you and I share what Jesus has done for us. Praise God. We can give the gift all year long. God desires to use us to duplicate the incarnation of Jesus in people every day of our life. We do that by boldly proclaiming. Well, preacher, I'm intimidated. Why? Why? The world's not intimidated to cuss in front of us. They do what comes natural. Don't be surprised when sinners act like sinners. Don't be surprised at their voice and their rhetoric and their music and their language and their habits. They're doing what they do naturally. They're not hypocritical about it. They're good sinners. And you know what I'm talking about. So were you and I. We didn't barely just sin. And we rolled the dice and went for it, didn't we not? Well, once we get saved, let's be good Christians. And not be intimidated to stand before the world and say, I used to do that, but I've been redeemed. I've been set free. I'm not talking about a religion. I've seen Jesus, and he's changed my life. And they'll listen. The next thing is wondering. And all they had heard, it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. The word wondered means to admire or marvel. The people who listened to the shepherds were amazed at their words and their conviction of their words. Now the story itself sounds incredible as well as unbelievable. An angel appears to shepherds on the outskirts of a Judean hillside and said, oh, today the Savior of the world has been born if you go to Bethlehem, you'll find him wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. They went, okay. And I'm sure as they walked, they go, why us? Why here? We're outcasts. We're nothing. We're nobody. And yet as they went, they obeyed the instruction of the angel, and they found exactly what they said. Kind of a far-fetched story, some would say. It's important to understand there are two types of amazements. The, fact ha- the first has to do with temporary fascination over an unusual turn of events. For instance, when I put this message together a few weeks ago, the Detroit Lions, a professional football team, their record was 1-10-1. That means they won one game. I have no idea what it is now. Probably 1-12. I don't know what it is. They just don't have a good season, apparently. And for you t- fans of them, I don't care. Just use them for illustration. What if I got up and said, next year, the Detroit Lions are going to the Super Bowl and they're going to win it? That'll be a wonder. It won't be a miracle. It'll be unusual, but stranger things have happened. 
If the Detroit Lions with a record like that this year go to the Super Bowl next year to the Lord Terry and they win it, we can say that's not a miracle. It's simply unusual. It could happen, but not likely. The second kind of amazement we call a holy wonder. It comes from the kind of awe seeing God at work in the world, looking in a beautiful sunset, seeing a great big round moon on a cold night, watching the sun rise on Lake Hollingsworth early in the morning. Coming up here as I do many times early in the morning and it's still dark and I look out in the fields and look up to heaven and it looks like a hole in, in, in heaven with the glory of God leaking out where the stars are shining. That still brings an honest to the wonders of God within my heart and life. He spoke and the stars were formed. He spoke and the world began its orbit around the moon and around the sun. He spoke and the birds he created began to fly. The dogs began to bark. The fish began to swim. And the squirrels began to build their nests. He took the clay of the world and he put it together and fashioned a man and blew into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. He put Adam to sleep and out of his rib aside. He took a rib and formed a woman. God spoke and he brought cosmos out of chaos. Those things are wonderful. But Christmas indeed is a time of holy wonder. And that's this. How can God be, how can it be that God became man? How can it be that the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, humbled himself and came down as a fashion of a man and was there in a manger of all, God in a manger. Now that's a king size bed for you. <laughs> the word fashion in the Greek where the Bible said he fashioned himself like unto a man. It's kind of like a king is in a castle and looking out in his robes and his crown and looking out upon his subordinates and goes, well, I wish I could walk among them. I wish I could be part of them. But no, they would flog him. So he goes in and takes off his kingly apparel and he puts on commoner's clothes and he sneaks out the back door and he walks among the people. They don't even recognize who he is because he looks like one of them. That's what God did. He became one of us. That's the mystery of the incarnation. We ought to be amazed at Christmas time. What kind of a God makes his entrance into the world like that? We ought to be amazed by that. It's a season where we pass and we pause to think about the wonder of it all. And it gives us reason to celebrate in the first place. God becoming man. We ought to be amazed at Christmas time. Yeah. Not only did he do the things at his birth that makes us wonder, he displays his holy power among us even now. Let me tell you something, church. Signs and wonders still accompany those that trust in God, preach his word, and believe his word. Signs and wonders still accompany. I've been your pastor starting 17 years in a couple in the next week. And during these last 16 years, we have beheld what God's done through us, in us, and among us. But I'm here to tell you, friends, we don't look back and reminisce and say, well, he's done. No, we look forward and say, look what he's done. We know what he can do. I still believe there's battles to win. There's Goliaths to slay. There's oceans to walk across. And there's Red Seas to part. And there's still lines and ends that we may be thrown into. But I'm here to tell you, the God that we serve is not sitting on the throne taking Malox and ibuprofen scratching his head saying, what am I going to do? He has everything under control. And I believe that he still wants to take us into deeper depths and higher heights. There's still more physical healings he wants to manifest. There's still more radical salvations he wants to give. Uh, there's still more deliverances he wants to bring. And there's still more missionaries to be sent around the world. There's more to be done than what he's doing now. And I'm tired of sitting on my blessed assurance. I want to rise up and be full of the Holy Ghost of God and say, Lord, here I am. Use me. Let me be wondered of the glorious things that you are doing and that you will continue to do for the glory of God. Got to hurry. Proclaiming, you can do it every day. 
the wonders of God's glory we can see and manifest it every day. But Mary also pondered some things in her heart. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. The word treasured or pondered has the idea of counting things up almost like making a list so that you won't forget them. The word pondered goes beyond wondering. It means to take the events as you lay them out in your memory and then go to beneath the surface and try to understand what it means and why it happened the way that it did. Think about this young teenage girl, a virgin, never had any relationship sexually with a man, and the Holy Spirit overshadows her. You're highly favored among women, and the holy thing inside you is going to be of the Holy Ghost. Now, she probably didn't know whether to scratch or watch and, and wind her head. She didn't know what to do. But she obeyed the command of God. She pondered, I'm sure, about Zacharias and Elizabeth and the birth of John the Baptist. What a miracle. I'm sure she pondered how the angel visited with her and how she would come uh, with the child of God in her, in, her, in, her, in her womb. I'm sure she pondered about the time that she told Joseph, hey, Joseph, uh, by the way, uh, I know we're engaged to be married, but I'm pregnant. I'm sure she pondered on it more times than one. I'm sure she pondered upon the fact of how the angel had spoken to Joseph about the fact that God had uh, seen that she was with child. I'm sure she pondered her journey a pregnant woman about ready to deliver from Nazareth all the way to Bethlehem. And I'm sure she pondered the birth and the angel visitation and the shepherd's visit. She pondered all of these things. Pondering is hard work. That's why many of us don't do it. However, it's a great time of the year to get into it. Now's a good time to look back and reflect on the things that God's done for us, the things that he's taught us, the things that he's teaching us, the great things that he's done in and through our lives. We've been blessed. But too many times, church, we take the blessing, but we forget to ponder upon the God who gave us the blessing. We need to ponder upon the blesser and thank him for the things he's done for us and not just take. She had a lot to think about. And perhaps she continued to wonder, why did God use me? Why did God bless me? We've been so blessed. He's answered so many prayers. He continues to do so many works. When we start taking out a list, because you see, when we get in the hard times, and we all do, I have no magical wand or ball to tell you what 2022 is going to look like. I have no idea. I just know my Savior's already been there. I know the steps of righteous man's ordered of God. I know many of the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers from them all. And I also know that whatever comes my way with his help, we will get through this thing alive even if it kills us. <laughs> we'll make it alive even if it kills us, church. Are you with me? So we ponder the great things that God has done. Because it gives me faith. When I think back about the miracles he's wrought, when I think about the, the prayers he's answered, and I'm between a rock and a hard spot now, I know the same God that was there is the same God that's here, and the same God will be out there tomorrow. Looking back on God's faithfulness helps me remain faithful. When we ponder on the miracles of yesterday, it prepares me for the miracles of today and for tomorrow. And finally this morning, one more thing these shepherds did. They glorified the Lord. Know what it said here in the text again. And the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as is told to them. What the shepherds saw profoundly changed their life. What they heard changed their life. What a difference one day can make. All it takes is one day. One second. One day. Death. Life and death. Riding down the interstate, listening to the radio, praising the Lord, next thing a deer hits you. I mean, it's just that quick. Your life can change drastically in one moment. 
The days before Jesus was born, they were in the fields tending their sheep. They were tending their responsibilities. But after the birth of Jesus, they went back to the same fields, tending their same sheep with the same smelly shepherds, the same smelly sheep. The only difference was their hearts had been filled with praise. Their hearts had been filled with glory. The word glorify comes from glory, which originally meant to have an opinion, then to have a good opinion, and ultimately to estimate the true worth of something. We glorify only that which we recognize to have true value. Ooh. Why do we find it difficult to praise and glorify the Lord? Let that sink in a moment. Come on, we're eating. Just go ahead and burp on that one. Let that digest. I'm asking myself, why do we have difficulty praising and worshiping the Lord? Have we failed to see his intrinsic worth? Have we failed to see the value that he's placed on us by his death, burial, and resurrection? Why is it so hard to praise God? These shepherds left their shepherd fields with a morose look on their face, not knowing full of fear, walking in faith. And they were distraught, head down. But man, they came back with a whistle, with a joy. What, what made that? Jesus made the difference. They could praise him because they saw value. They saw worth. They saw something in Jesus that was worth opening up their mouth to and giving glory and honor and praise to the Lord. To say the shepherds glorified God means they saw Jesus in the manger. They were overwhelmed by God's presence, by God's power, by God's grace, by God's miraculous revelation, by God's wisdom, and the miracle of the incarnation. They were overwhelmed by that. They saw something worthy to give him praise for. Church, don't let nothing rob you of your relationship with Jesus. If all we have is religion, we're going to be looking down and morose look all the time. But if we'll look unto him as the author and the finisher of our faith, if we look unto him and pray to him and praise him, there'll be something in our heart worth worshiping for. We only give praise and glory to that which we find worthy of. Well, notice what they did. They praised God. Notice where they did it. They did not go to the temple to praise God and glorify Him. They did not go to the synagogue to praise God and glorify Him. They could have it, but they wouldn't let Him. But where did they go? They went back to the same hills, back to the same sheep, back to the same company of people they had with their heart changed. They went back with a different attitude because the Lord changed them. The birth of Jesus changed them. They glorified the Lord. Are you hearing me? Having seen the baby in the manger, they went back to work. Same old nine to five, same old monotonous job, same boring life, back to the, 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 normal, Christian, the normal things. But they went back changed. For us, Christmas is over. In a few days, if you haven't already, the lights will come down. The tree will be packed or thrown to the curb. The tinsels will go away. The wrapping paper's already gone to the trash can. The gifts will be enjoyed or returned for money or different size, most of the time different size. The angel will be packed away. Fan, friends and family go back to work. In a few days, children will be back in school or off to college. Routine sets in. But have we been changed by celebrating Christmas? Or it become as usual as 2022. For, their for the shepherds, their work was the same. 
but they were different as a result of seeing the Lord Jesus Christ. They went back to work with new zeal, a newfound joy, an exuberance, and with the fact they could praise and glorify the Lord for what they had seen, what they had heard, and what they had experienced. Would you like to have Christmas all year round? I'm not talking about the trees and the tinsel and the, and, and the parades and the parties and all that. Not the trappings. It can be if we do as the shepherds did. Go back to work after Christmas is over. Go back to the office. Go back to the truck. Go back to the job. Go back to the rocking chair. Go back to whatever monotonous teaching job you may think you have. Go back to where you came from on your job related. But as you go back, go back glorifying and praising Him. It will change your life for better. Go back with the memory of Christmas, but go back with a new awareness and a new appreciation of what Christmas means. Jesus loves you. Jesus died for you. Jesus changed your life. Proclaim the good news. Wonder at His amazing plan. Ponder His great works, but glorify Him throughout the entire year. We can have Christmas every day. So I ask the question, did Christmas affect you? Did Christmas change you? Did Christmas have anything to do with you? If we've been left unchanged, unmoved, I would ask myself, God, will you come and visit me today, the day after Christmas, that I might be everything you want me to be for your glory. Father.